was amazing. It was an incredible experience. And the first person I saw when I walked off that stage was Dame Helen Mirren. And she was sitting down right at the, where they accept, you know, all the people that have given out Oscars that night or have performed. She was watching the telly from the, from the live feed. And she opened her arms and she said, my darling, you are magnificent. And gave me the biggest hug. And I said, you are Dame Helen Mirren. <laughs> and I can die happy in this instant. Thank you so much. She was so lovely. So lovely. Yeah. Hello, this is your host, Graham Rooney, and welcome to A Performer, A Pint, and A Pod. The podcast where I take you down the pub and we meet a performer, have a drink, and find out the tiddly truth you only get in a pub. I'll be chatting to fantastic performers at all different points of their careers, discussing where they've come from, career-defining moments, and of course, guilty pleasures. All whilst having a laugh, and getting a wee bit pissed. Fancy a pint with a pop star? A whiskey with your West End idol? Or a mojito with a magician? Then join me down the pub. So, without further ado, let's head down to the local and see which one of the nation's top performers is in there tonight. Pint please, mate. Thank you very much. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. What an absolute stinker of a year 2021 was. But never fear, for we have a belting New Year special guest for you. Yes, I'm grabbing a pint with none other than the bearded lady herself, the star of The Greatest Showman, Kiala Settle. What a cracking lady and phenomenal performer she is. We talk all about starring on Broadway, numerous shows she's done there, singing at the Oscars, working with Sting, and of course, everything Greatest Showman. <laughs> Believe me, this is a belter of an episode with unbelievable stories. Um, so, without any further ado, enjoy. Kiala Settle, hello and welcome to a performer, ah! a paint and a pod. How are you? I'm well, thank you. You all right? I'm, I'm not too bad at all. We're just going to pretend that we've not spoken for 20 minutes. Yeah, we uh, have. I don't know no. what you're on about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, obviously, we've not actually met before, um, but, but um, <laughs> you tweeted about a show I was in the other night. Yes, a pl- yes. play that goes wrong, and as soon as I saw that, I went right. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna social media hounder onto <laughs> onto my podcast, which is exactly well what I did. I did yeah, two, well done. Well, I did two things. I, I was like, I'm gonna hounder about that and hounder about singing karaoke with her. Um, oh my god, yeah, and I'll you know, <laughs> I was like, if I got enough gin in me, I'll absolutely do. And God knows what I would do. But yeah, that could be one of the things. Well, you know. Idea. I, I I'm a professional karaoke singer. Um, oh yeah, you are. You know that's uh, that's what I am. <laughs> Some people are professional singers. Uh, for me, such as yourself, I'm I a professional. Know, I've never heard of it. No. Karaoke singer. That's it. You know. Um, 
but yes, you saw me in the play that goes wrong, and we were I just did. we were just uh, talking uh, about that because that and you, you... did a wonderful job, a oh, really oh. wonderful job, and oh, I could tell you. how much fun you were having, and we were able to have just as much fun with you. It was really brilliant, and it wasn't until after when I was following you on social media after I'd seen the show that I realized when, not that I'm giving away anything, but there's a point where <laughs> his character, Trevor, Graham's character, Trevor, ends up in a dark place. And in that dark place, while on set, he's actually doing a live, an Instagram live. Is that what you were doing? Um, no, uh, no I, I recalled that and then said to out, because I was yeah, like that. that I was, was like, so brilliant. It was so yes. brilliant. I thought, that is so smart and so entertaining. I thought that was amazing. So, yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I love the fact that you're hiding it. Um, it it's, it's the grandfather <laughs> clock. I mean, it's okay. Oh, but... I don't know. I don't know if anyone's been like, you know, for the past six, seven years. I don't know this show. I have never seen this show in my life. If, what is she talking about? <laughs> Who is this guy? Like, I don't know. I don't know. If, what, you, you know, if people haven't seen the play that goes wrong in the UK, then I mean, or the world, obviously this goes worldwide. Uh, yeah. Then you need to. You need to yeah. see it. And that's Absolutely. not because, you know, not because I've been at it. It is just a brilliant show. Even if I hadn't been at it, it's very, very funny. I needed, yeah. I needed it this moment today, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, very well, very much needed. You know, enough about me, hey. <laughs> We, we, I, didn't, I didn't get you on to talk about me. However, Why that not? was lovely. Thank you for your compliment. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's facts. Take it or leave it. <laughs> we're, 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 we're going to talk about you, of course. Um, and I'll, <laughs> um, and we're, we're going to we'll go straight in with... Uh, we're going to go straight in with The Great Showman because I, I'm a big fan of The, the Great Showman. I want to uh, ask you about that but we will talk about everything else because there's loads of other stuff you've mm. done and mm. smashed it way before that as well. Um, yes, you have. Okay, you have. right, all right. Don't, don't do moving. that. Keep all right. <laughs> but if you hadn't smashed it, you wouldn't be on my podcast, okay? Oh! <laughs> right. As simple as that. I've got high standards. Thing. I'm not sure if it's even a positive thing, but I'm going to accept that it is. That's fine. Take that. No, you've done you you are you amazing. You've got an amazing career. Um, but let's go. You're very go. nice to say that. You're very nice to say that. Let's get let's get right back to the beginning of uh, the Greatest Showman. How how did it all come about? How did the first like the start of it begin for you, like um, even hear about it? Uh, I was doing Les Mis, a revival of Les Mis at the time on Broadway. And um, you go see Lady Go first off. Lady Go, that's what you were doing just Lady before Go. it. Good start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing Cosette, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, and I had been given a script and an offer just to do a workshop of it, a reading, really. Um, and there were specific composers and lyricists that were sort of trying to put their bid in to, it was a musical and they were trying to win the bid to score the entire film. And so I was just playing a bit part in it. There wasn't really, you know, cause it was in its first stages. And uh, so we went in and learned a lot of the songs um, that were all from different, you know, lyricists and composers that were also auditioning to have their music in. And then we went into the reading 
all of us. And there was this man that came into the lobby of where we were reading. It was me, Condola Rashad, um, Aaron Tavate was there. Um, Betsy Wolf was there, I believe. Um, I can't remember who else. But there was this core group of, we, we basically called ourselves a choir. It was a group of members from uh, ensembles on Broadway that were together yeah. um, singing all of the, the chunk of all of the music that we were learning. Um, and we loved it. And we, to this day, we still talk about it. Um, and a lot of it was different because there was only one, you know, group that won that bid and created the score for the show, which was, you know, Pasek and Paul. And uh, anyway, we were there learning, going through our stuff, ready to walk into this, you know, room because we'd never seen all the people that were going to be a part of it. It was this bald, almost bald man. He was, it was like he was growing his hair back, He's really tall, sweating to death. He looked <laughs> like he'd just been through a wood chopper and he had this towel around his neck and he was carrying this, you know, bicycle hat. And uh, he just came walking in and I went, what? Are you Jackman? <laughs> And it was Hugh Jackman. And he that goes, is the strangest description of Hugh well, he, Jackman so, well, I have ever heard. Is, but I'll tell you why, though, because he's such an incredible storyteller. Everything that he does, he absolutely transforms himself in any and every way possible. Yeah. To um, excuse to me, I just got a reminder mid story there. Carry on. You know, you've got a reminder. Don't forget to flush. Um, <laughs> And uh, he had just finished doing Pan, which right. was uh, the Peter Pan movie, and he was playing Hook. And he was completely bald in that. And um, so, uh. yeah, his hair was growing back, and he was just this really tall, you know, guy who just... It, it was almost like his T-shirt and his, you know, hoodie and his, his like, um, sweatpants were too big for him. And he was like, all right, you know, walking in and... <laughs> And he and I introduced, I mean, we all went into the room and I introduced myself and he said, are you Kiwi? Which, for those of you who don't know, it's basically someone who is a local from New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and I said, actually, my mum is Māori. Um, but yeah, sure. And he said, <laughs> he goes, I don't even know you and I love you. And so that was just the beginning of us being friends and family and mates. Um, and then from that point on, you know, we did bits and pieces of it. And then, we, of course, we did the famous, you know, green light workshop that everyone has seen. Uh, and uh, they greenlit it. And we started filming it in 2000, end of 2015, beginning of 2016. And then it was released December 2017. And... Yeah, it was massive, really massive. Um, well, that do you know? I got I got a question off of Instagram. Oh um, yeah, I did for you, um, and it's actually to do with this. So I will quickly. Uh, All right. I'll, I'll look out. I mean, I should have written it down, but uh, there we go. Professionalism for you. That's. I mean, could <laughs> be a long podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, just hang in there, guys. Make yeah, yourself a cup of yeah. tea or uh, coffee yeah. while I I look up uh, questions. Um, yes, it is from Simon Simon Lennon. 
Yes, Simon Lennon of Emmerdale fame. He's he's an oh. Emmerdale. Uh, do you know Emmerdale? Of course. Oh no, Emmerdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Simon Lemon, Lemon, Lennon, who is in Emmerdale right now. He said uh, the film rehearsal pitch of Great Showman was electric. Did you know then that it was going to be a phenomenal film? No, didn't even care. <laughs> didn't literally even... didn't even care. I was I didn't even want to do it. I was uh, petrified. Didn't even want to do it at all. Um, and I've told this story a million times, but we'll make this a million and one. Uh, I had to be bribed. Oh, brilliant. New story. Here we go. Listen, then, if you've not heard it. But it's before, not new at all. It's just new on your podcast. Would you, um, would you just give a, f- a freshness to it, a twist? <laughs> go on, for me. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, here we go. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to do it. Uh, and uh, uh, Hugh had actually sung the song in a hometown concert in Melbourne uh, prior to that reading. And he was looking at me because we were actually um, blocking the scene and putting it into this pitch for 20th Century Fox so that they could see sort of how the reading was gonna go and putting it all together. So they would see bits of that on a TV and then we would sing and then they would show other bits where they were trying to film just other bits and pieces like rough, you know, recce situations and I remember filming that scene with Hugh and when MG said cut, our director, Michael Gracie, he was like, babe, you're going to love this song. It's amazing. And I just kept looking at him going, all right, calm down. I was so scared. And then I got this demo, which is amazing. And basically just looked at Justin and Benj and said, I absolutely cannot sing this. You should probably call this girl and bring her in because I can't do this and, and I don't want to. Uh, just because it was so, and still is, I think, um, not as much as it was before, but at the time, it was so revelatory in the sense that I knew that if I sang this song, people would see who I was, which was so horrifying to me. Yeah. Uh, and up until very recently, still was. Um, so it was years from when I sang that song in 2016 up until basically when I got here. It was just torture, absolute torture for me because I didn't want everyone to see uh, who I was. And the song was so much of who I was uh, that I didn't, I was mortified. Uh, so I just kept saying, no, I don't want to sing it, don't want to sing it, don't want to sing it. And finally, bless him. And I used to sing with the choir in the back. Never wanted to come forward, ever. But I've been that way my whole life. Um, And which has actually also changed just because (laughs) shadow work. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Wait a minute. Was that your actual accent came out there? Like, this is the thing. I've got all of them. She's got so many accents. Yeah, yeah, just because my family and where I'm raised and all the things that I've heard, every dialect that I've heard and that I continue to hear. Well, whatever. We'll answer that question when I get there. Um, But yeah, long story short, I didn't want to do it. The director was begging me and he said, what can I give you to ask you to do the song? And because I am such a cheap date, fellas, if you're out there, (laughs) literal cheap date. Um, It's the new dating app. Performer yes. paint pot. Cheap date. Cheap Cheapdate.co.uk. Uh, I said, look, if you give me a bottle of Jameson, I'll do it. And he's like, that's it. I said, yeah. 
And yeah, so that, the day that, of that Chief, is I cheap. told you. That, I mean, you I could have gone really big. Really didn't big. Want didn't want to. Didn't want to. Because I just, it was like last minute thinking. And so day of, I looked at him and I said, have you got it? And he pulled it up from the side of the table. And he, and he gave it to me. And I said, I don't want it now because I want to do my job. I'll have it after and I'll share it with the rest of the people in here um, with the cast that were doing it. And so as I was doing it, they, what you don't see is there's a scene before it, I think, not that I know because I've never watched it because it's that horrifying to me, um, that I'm actually giving my lines it, with the choir in the back and Hugh and the choir are pulling me forward because I don't want to be in the front. Um, and so I got as far as where Hugh was and stayed behind my music stand. And then the rest is what you see. But it was horrifying, petrifying. The end. <laughs> There's the story. See, the million and one time movie that, it was, that like, I mean, it's still an amazing, know, an know, amazing story. I know. And I've had to sort of understand the fact that it does inspire so many people, which is so lovely. And of course, of course it would, because we all feel that way. But I, I remember in that moment, and for so many years, I just didn't want anyone to see how scared I was and how, I didn't want anyone to look at me at all, in any regard, um, even in the industry. Like, you know, you spoke earlier, I don't know if it's gonna be on the podcast, but it might be, about, <laughs> you know, having, having this career. And I still can't even hear that word and associate it with myself. It's just, it's just one of those things where, look, I've had the opportunity to tell a lot of stories and different characters, and it's been an absolute privilege, and it continues to be an absolute privilege. And I can only hope that before I get cremated and tossed into the North Sea, I will get to tell many more because it just it saves lives. It literally saves lives. I mean, you you're doing it in the play that goes wrong. Yeah, it's a, you know, a comedy, but you're doing it. And it's better than any, you know, antidepressant out there. Well, and it's cheaper. It's, it's, <laughs> in some cases, it's, it's cheaper, you know. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at the fact you were getting cremated there. No, no, there. it is. I was just yeah, like, no, I no. didn't expect that to be a fact that would come up in this podcast of your choice, uh, of yeah, <laughs> whether yeah. you're cremated, burial, or whatever, and also where you're going to be sent to as well, the yeah, North, yeah, North sea. sea. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, North Sea's brutal, but then again, if you are cremated, it's not really going yeah, to matter, Yeah, it's ashes, is it? love, exactly. You know, <laughs> I just remember I as mean, a child, that's where I went on holiday, like, you know. Well, to... I've been in the North Sea. Oh, I've been in the... That's good. why when I did it, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm getting tossed in here. Yeah, no, oh, I'm coming back here at the end. Can't of wait. Right now. Yeah, and I won't oh. even know about it. I'm coming <laughs> yes. back here, I'll tell you that. Yeah, won't even know about it. Can't For eternity. Yes. Yes. This is where I <laughs> yes. wanna be. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh dear. Um well wow, well, what a story. And then obviously, um the great showman exploded everywhere around the world and as we say, and we will come to your career, uh, we'll come back to the sort of early stages where you're, you were doing fantastically well, um, which some people won't know as well as the greatest showman. Um, you obviously must have, it must have been insane to suddenly be 
on every chat show in the world singing this song. Every like, I mean, just everywhere. I mean, what what was the experience like to switch? It was terrifying, darling. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. I was so happy to just be in my little corner on Broadway meeting at the time because, you know, times have changed, hopefully, um, especially in that country with regard to, you know, they you, you get put in a box, you know this, and that's the industry, you get put in a box. If you meet the quota for this, here's a production, we need this person, this person, this person. If you're the box that they need and you're the best box, we can put you in that box. And it's never the lead, ever. It's always supporting cast. And I, I mean, I wasn't, that was, that's all, that's all I really wanted to do at the time. And to be fair, all I really wanted to do was, you know, hide in a recording studio and sing backups for whoever needed it and just make money off of that and hide. That is not uh, the case uh, that's happening and has ever happened. So, you know, girl can dream. Uh... But, for uh, a bottle of Jameson's, they dragged you right out of the darkness and into the biggest spotlight and, ever. Yeah, yeah it was pe- it was petrifying, and uh, just because I had never, I didn't want to be in the spotlight, especially for something, because people were always talking to me and asking me, or really telling me, saying no, they were asking me, you know, how does it feel to be a voice for the voiceless? And I thought. What are you on about? We've, all of us have always had a voice, but the people that you refer to as the voiceless, you just never listen to. And it just happens to be that because I'm the loudest voice and there's enough money behind me that wants to promote that voice at this specific time, you're now listening. But that's a global majority of people that feel that way. And it's, you know, it speaks a lot about mental health issues and mental health awareness and all that. And um, so a lot of that, if not all of that time period was petrifying, petrifying to the point that I actually had a brain bleed the week before the Oscars because I couldn't take it anymore. My body couldn't take it anymore. And uh, so um, I got cleared to perform that week that weekend and then after doing still more press after that um in the US and internationally I started doing surgery prep for what ended up being a 10-hour brain surgery yeah 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 it's the look and and I'm not knocking yeah I'm not knocking the industry at all it's just the industry is the industry and some people we have will have the opportunity to be prepped and taught this is what you do this is what you do this is what you do other people will not you will get thrown in into this into the spotlight because it just happens to be the cool thing to do in that particular time no one monitors you in the sense of really looking after you it's just like you need to be here you need to act this way you need to talk this way and all of those things are not me <laughs> and I'm singing yeah. a song that says this is me so <laughs> it was just it's just like melting clocks on the wall it was just so absurdist and uh yeah I mean I learned a lot I learned a lot from that experience because it was just never ending and yes 
it was incredible to be a part of it because that was the only time that I really felt like myself was when I sang that song. I was petrified because I was I was myself. I was scared. Yeah. And I knew that everyone else who had heard the song already knew how I felt. And I couldn't really hide from that anymore. So I had to be afraid in front of the world. That's what that is. God, Bennett. So it's like, it, I think it was just, I mean, it's amazing to think that just that, that one song was such a, it's just a massive switch in like your career exposure. Yeah. Um, but also you as a person and that's like a twofold yeah. thing um yeah and I never really you know even talking to you about I've never really explained it like this I think I sort of tried to before I left I did a podcast with a couple of mates of mine that, well, they are amazing and um, I tried to talk about it then but I don't think I had a, a full grasp um of really what it was and what I can look at it now as until I came here uh I don't know if it was for cultural reasons or for you know whatever because cult I mean the two cultures are completely different American culture and UK culture are so very different English culture British culture whatever you want to call it um and uh and I've they've both been so prevalent in my life because my father my father's English and so having English tendencies you're in your home your mum is from New Zealand your father's from England your father's a colonizer. Your mum is the one that's of the land. She's indigenous. So you're going, right, this is going to be amazing. And then you walk out the door and it's, God bless the USA. Nobody wants any of that. So you're like, right, what, what do I do now? I'm going to switch <laughs> out to do this, switch out to do that. And it's fine. It keeps you on your toes and it builds character. But to be able to sort of understand the ramifications of that song, I had to come here and live here and sort of step back and you know, take stock of everything that I've done and everything in my life, just living, not even just my career, but just living and the people that I've met and had the opportunity to meet and continue to meet like you and, and find the joy in it and find, you know, the peace in it all because it is there, it is there. So everything that everyone else feels when they hear that song, I now get to feel, never did, but now I do. And I'm really grateful for it, really grateful. Well, yeah, no, well, <clears throat> that's that, that's that, that is great to hear. After hearing what, what, I mean, it just sounds like an absolute storm, like, like just a whirlwind. It was, and that, that's what it had to happen that way. I'm sure it would have never have happened any other way. And that's okay. That's all right. That's okay. Yeah. Well, it's good. To, it is good. It's great to hear that. After all, I mean, I just, I didn't quite. Were you expecting another answer? I feel like you were probably expecting another answer. <laughs> no, another answer at all. I just didn't expect. Like, I didn't realize um, how how hard it was. I didn't realize like how how difficult and how much you got to. Because obviously, like, I know um, to an extent how exposing like performing is and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know that so yeah the co that concentration that level and like you say added on um for you personally even if you were just doing that on a complete minimal scale singing singing yeah, yeah, that yeah, song yeah, yeah. it's really exposing yeah. the difficult then um i need you to pause this because i got the mail pausing oh, no <laughs> hang on <laughs> yeah, I'm Hiya. Coming down. sorry Graham. 
It's all right. You're just gonna keep it keep it rolling. This is this is this is great. Right, I'm back, I'm back, mate, I'm back. Oh, here she comes. <laughs> I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Let's, let's see, while you're, while you're away, let's see if we've got any more questions flying in. Oh, 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 oh. Probably not, everyone's like, oh. No more, no more, no more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no, I've, a- I've asked that question. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, oh, that's a good one, but we'll keep that one. Till we move on further because that oh, went right. further down the road. So, we'll, but we'll use it because it's probably Lovely. better than what I've got. There we go. Oh, come on! So you've That's... got nothing is really what you've got. <laughs> That's why I get people to ask the question. You know, Bloody hell, Graham. They're, they're great. Look, Graham Norton doesn't work out his own questions. He just goes Can I on just the tell show. You, I did his show, and I wish to God I could have redone it. That was one of the shows I was so scared and petrified to do, and. Um, bless his heart, Hugh was trying to look after me as much as he could when I when we weren't together doing press events. And so he did a bit film on Graham's show um, to sort of be there for me, because he always is. He always is. He's just such, he's my brother. And uh, but I just wish I could do that show again, because I just was so scared. And then a week yeah. later, I had a stroke. That was when I had the brain bleed. Because I went from Graham Norton to back to LA and I was sick. Then I went to Tokyo to do more press. And I was, and this is all amazing. I'm not knocking any of this. It was just really hard. Uh, it was really hard. And I'm yeah, sure no, like, obviously. Oh, wow, I think... wow, 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 why are you crying? But it was, it was just really hard. No, of course. And I think that's yeah. the thing. I think sometimes people see uh, someone in, in, uh, the limelight and they just think everything's amazing everything's phenomenal and that's the dream and stuff but it's not it's not always that and obviously yeah. especially like I mean you've just said like to have a, like a brain bleed from all that pressure and everything because it like yeah your body is actually telling you we can't I mean, do that's, this right now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. um would and, and I'm it like was the Oscars just was it traumatic uh, afterwards was um or were you able it to it wasn't it actually it, all of it leading up to it because what again because Hugh Jackman is first and foremost a human being yeah he contacted all of the behind the scenes people at the Nokia theater which is where they have the academy awards uh the stage managers you know everyone the assistant stage managers all the um the operators that were there working um, all the necessary bits to put the show on because we went to a rehearsal. When I walked on that stage, the stage manager came up for me from his call desk. As you know, when you're opening a show, whatever, they're in the uh, the stalls just rehearsing. Came up to the uh, stage and said, look, we just got a call from Hugh this morning and he told us what happened. And then he went down the list of his meds that he was taking because I was on medication to make sure that I didn't have another brain bleed because I couldn't have surgery. Yeah. Um, until, and I had to sing. So I was already afraid that if I sing, I was going to have another one. So they were putting me on all these anti-seizure medications and um, they were like, look, we're on this. We're looking after you because Hugh asked us to. So whatever you need, if you need to sit down, if you need water, because I had to keep drinking water. 
to make sure that I wouldn't have another seizure uh, or a, a brain bleed. And he said, if you need anything at all, please let us know. And uh, I knew I was going to be safe. So, yeah, it was amazing. It was an incredible experience. And the first person I saw when I walked off that stage was Dame Helen Mirren. And she was sitting down right at the, where they accept, you know, all the people that have given out Oscars at night or have performed. She was watching the telly from the, from the live feed and she opened her arms and she said, my darling, you are magnificent and gave me the biggest hug. And I said, you are Dame Helen Mirren <laughs> and I can die happy in this instant. Thank you so much. She was so lovely. So lovely. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's amazing. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad I, you, and yeah, like, yeah. Enjoyed, I'm glad you enjoyed the Oscars. There, I did, and and I knew it was my last full proper obligation to the film, and I wanted to do it. I wanted to to prove that I could to myself. Yeah. If above all things, you know, and yeah. uh, I did. Well, what a roller coaster! But at the end, what an amazing thing! What an what an unbelievable yeah. thing to have done to sing yeah. at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. But come on, let's let let's like there we go. The final thing on 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 the Greatest Showman, um, you did do a tour with uh, Hugh Jackman, didn't you? I did. How was that? Came I'm through like, here. We went through Glasgow first. That was the first place we went, Glasgow. Understandably. And then- Great obviously, city. for obvious <laughs> reasons. Who's questioning it? Where's the lie? Come on. Um, and uh, also came back to uh, through Manchester, Birmingham, and then played at London at the O2. And um, it, uh, we went everywhere. And it was just after my surgery, actually, that he said, I'm glad you're feeling better. And that you're because it took me a couple months to start talking again and walking. And I had to sort of relearn all those things. And I think it was in the third month, he was like, I'm so happy to see you. This might be a bit off-putting, but do you want to sing that song? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, what? (laughs) Hi, Kim. Just Just asking, just asking. So the the song in which you're a bit traumatic um, and you've just come back, you can just walk and talk again. Um, So I was just wondering, um, do you want to sing it? not going everywhere he goes right can you where, where, where do you want to go and I told him I said I well, want to be cool. in Europe <laughs> uh, yeah I want to be in Europe <laughs> I want to be in the UK and I want to be in Australia and New Zealand for obvious reasons um but I don't want to perform it in the US but you tell me where I can go and I ended up doing all of that and more amazing um, amazing yeah all of that and more it was it was an incredible experience I learned a lot about myself um, I got a lot of strength. It started there for myself in singing the song and not being so afraid. I was, it was, it was still, you know, gut wrenching because I was like, no, no, I don't want. But when you hear people, and I'm talking tens of thousands of people every night singing that song back to you, the last city we played was Mexico City. Yeah. And I actually asked them in Spanish. I said. Canten conmigo. I said, could sing with me. And they sang it in English to me. And I couldn't contain myself. I think that was when I really started to understand in all the fear of this, what had happened globally. 
and started to take responsibility for it uh yeah, yeah. because it's it's an experience that i wish i could gift the world um just to know that you're not alone and it's it's actually universal so yeah brilliant yeah and that you can i think listening to you know that you can enjoy it you can yeah. actually really enjoy it like you know because yeah it is i actually such... just did the royal variety performance and um it was that was probably the pentultimate for me more than the oscars um, because of how national that is for me and because of my father. Um, it was one of the greatest experiences that I've ever had. It oh, beats yeah. the Oscars to a T. Everyone was so lovely. All the performers were lovely. Um, the Royals were lovely. It just, it was, um, it was an experience that I know I'll never have again, like at that heightened state, but it was absolutely beautiful. So I'm really happy. And I loved it. I loved singing it which I've never done. Well, that's, yes. No, I was thinking that. I was like, listening to you now, it's, it's like, it's like I, you're enjoying it now. You're like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're, if I was to compare it to something, uh, it's, it's like me at the karaoke singing, don't let the sun go down on me. That's prob- probably what I'd compare it to. You know? I feel like that is absolutely correct and valid. <laughs> there you go couple of pints down the local you know do you know do you know when those like there's like you know there's a slight murmur and you see people tumbling and you get about four or five are, are kind of singing along and clapping that peak of a karaoke you know the rest and you know of the people, that you know, you're in the right place you, you know, know that's you're it you're making think, that difference yeah, you I mean, know it i chose the right song they're with me yeah here. yeah some yeah, people are actually singing. yes yeah, yeah i can feel, I feel it feel yeah it. That that's yeah. that's the comparison that uh, I could put it with, you know. <laughs> right, enough great showman. There we go. That was, that oh, yeah! was lovely. Uh, what 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 a tour! I didn't expect it to be such a roller coaster. I mean, obviously, it was a lot more for you than me. That's just like half an hour <laughs> just listening. Yeah. Um, a little bit more traumatic, but I'm so glad that you're happy and healthy. Um, I am. Uh, thank you, and I'm really happy to be able to be on the other side of it and absolutely appreciate all of it for everything that it was and continues to be because it will I mean I know, I know it lives on and it's it's magic it, it's truly magic and just to even be a vessel for it to be a part of it at all is an, a, a total gift and, and I you, love that I know that now. did you see if you've still not watched it uh, I've watched bits and pieces but not all I, look here's the deal I don't like watching things I'm in it's like going to the store, buying some bananas or groceries or whatever. They give you a receipt and it's like someone coming to you, taking the receipt and going, have you seen this? And I'm like, have I seen it? I bought it. I've eaten it. I was there. It's the same thing for me. I don't need to see the receipts. I was there. Oh, uh, Yeah. I think as well, obvious example, like, I, I like, um, I see, I always watch my stuff like on TV and that, like, oh, I always, <laughs> like, I know oh, there's God. different performers with different, I'm like that. I, like, I'd rather I, like, get shot in the knees and left behind the band. Than have do you it. been shot in the knees? No, but I'd rather. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I mean, I just like, so you'd know I'd the rather. comparison. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather. I, was like, I don't wow. even know it, but God. I'll take it. Yeah. That's how much I don't want to read the receipts. Wowza. Right, okay. Okay, then. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. Well, let's 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 talk about how it all began. How you've come through this journey. Um, where, where did you train in the states? No, no, I you trained, did not. I trained in the shower, love. I didn't train anywhere. That was not? one of the biggest things. No, for God's this... sake, no. All I wanted <laughs> to do was. I remember we were living. I was born and raised in Hawaii, um, and when I was fourteen, fifteen. I so desperately wanted to go to drama school. I wanted to go to RADA. I wanted to go to Lambda. I wanted to go to the Royal Academy of Music anywhere here because I knew I could because of my dad. And so what my lovely father would do is he would get brochures and leaflets from each of these places and try and sneak them to me. Because if my mum saw them, she would completely detonate them and uh, bin them. (laughs) <laughs> and every time she would see them and she would destroy them and bend them and so I never got to have that drama school experience would it have changed anything I don't know I have no idea at all but I was so desperate to learn the craft from a country that I held in high esteem that knew how to tell stories on a very very experienced level um, and never got to do that so I just sort of picked wherever I could in the US where you know I worked for a Shakespeare festival studied Shakespeare incessantly but it was you know the Americanized version what that means I don't know Um, but I wanted it so much in my life and I also was singing all the time because my mother was a singer and um, she came from a family of 16 and there were five of her brothers that made up the band and she was one of she was the lead singer for them Um, and they would tour around Australia and New Zealand. And she met my father. My father served a Mormon mission. (laughs) I'm just realizing every time I know I have to tell you the the truth of all this, I'm going, oh my God, this is gonna be a five hour long podcast. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Mormon served a mission. In New Zealand, finished Bullet points, please. Bullet points. Come yeah, on. Try, I'm, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> trying to get there. Married her, brought her back to Hawaii. He was in Hawaii because he used to live in Lancashire. He's from Oldham. And on his 21st, his aunt, his mum's sister, had just come back from being a teacher, a school teacher in New Zealand because post-World War, everyone was, you know, trying to go to the other countries. She met a man that was Mormon there. She became Mormon. The aunt and his now uncle came back to his 21st where he was like 10 sheets of the wind, so pissed and drunk um, and brought a leaflet to go to a Mormon university. And I I don't know if it was his father or his mum that saw it, my nan or grandpa, but they destroyed it as well. So he went and got tossed, kept getting tossed, came back. Someone had saved the pamphlet from the the leaflet from getting completely destroyed and put it on his bed and said you need to go and he sold his motorbike left went to hawaii to school became a mormon served the mission met my mum brought her back we were all created oh there we go done and dusted okay everyone have a good night thank you so much (laughs) for coming please don't forget you can leave a gratuity for your waiter or waitress. It will be really lovely. Not required, but really lovely. <laughs> Thank you and good night. Oh, well, there we go. God. That was the podcast. Thank you very much. The um, end. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> it's only just begun. No. So, okay, but right before before the Greatest Showman, you obviously were uh, smashing it on Broadway. So how how did you get to Broadway? Tell us the journey. To to. I went to again, not normal. Nothing's not. Uh, I was living in Las Vegas at the time, uh, singing in recording studios and doing, you know, bits and pieces. I was doing a thing called jingles. Have you ever heard of that? Jingle. Sorry. When you're in like the world of jingles, you're uh, a vocalist for radio commercials. And stuff yes. Like that. Okay. Yeah. So radio. there are people there that write, you know, they just start kicking out all these radio commercials. And if you're available, you can come in and get like a certain amount of money per song and you just kick them all out like three, four, five of them every day, you know, and it's usually like feast of famine, you know, it'll, it won't happen for like, you know, two, three weeks. And then all of a sudden you got three days of like nonstop, nonstop. So I was doing that, working as an operator, a phone operator at a casino and doing um, community theater at night, late at night, you know, for the love of it. Yeah. I never wanted to do a musical ever. Um, right. Never, because I they never met for me. It was all they were two completely different things. Because I was singing pop in R and B and gospel here, and then I was doing all this other stuff over here. So I, they never really met up for me uh, until I went in and did. I heard there was an audition in California, which was like four and a half hours away, five and a half hours away, for this show called Hairspray, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they'll let me be a dynamite. <laughs> For those of you who don't know the show, of a dynamite is an ensemble member that is primarily and hopefully, because of the way it's written, African American, of which I'm not. However, in my what I love it is like anyone who's just listened to this cannot see the face on Giallo. Well, obviously, I was insane, but I was like full on went right I'm going in I'm singing you know if you need me call me no matter where you are no matter how far don't worry baby call out my name I'll be there in a hurry don't have to worry baby there ain't no mountain high enough thinking I was gonna get the job right off the bat what is wrong with me anyway that didn't happen obviously <laughs> um but eight auditions later I ended up uh, booking the standby for the lead character of Tracy Turnblad in the first national tour of Hairspray, and that's where it all started. Well, they, they, and then ended up taking over it. the role about six months later. Yeah. So, like, I mean, bit of a crazy way into it, but like, you know, at the end of the day, Just demented, absolutely <laughs> demented. No wonder I had a brain bleed so late in life. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and it started from there. And after a while, because it was so. It takes a specific type of person to tour. Mm. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not. There's a there's a thick skin that, like a, almost a callus of sorts that builds around you, and uh, I don't know how to explain it. But it just takes a specific type. Of I person mean, that was to very tour. descriptive. So oh, um, there you go. Let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Leaving it. Moving on. Uh, so I had to take a bit of a break from that. And then I went back out on tour uh, with the Lincoln Center revival um, from Broadway of South Pacific. And then 
ended up making my way to New York because they had asked me to audition for a bit part in this play called Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yes. And I thought, um, if I don't audition for Broadway, I'm going to kick myself in the face. Just do it once and leave. <laughs> yeah, and don't kick I'll yourself that, in the face. Again. I'll say it again. I said, just do it once, audition for it. And if you book it, do it and leave. Stop so I booked that, it. <laughs> I booked it, uh, and uh, we did an out of town in uh, Toronto, which was lovely, and then came back to Broadway to open it. And as we were opening it for Broadway, I thought, right, I'll do this and get out, leave, uh, and just go live a random life, learning how to bake and maybe buying a dog. Who knows? And that didn't <laughs> happen. Uh, I then ended up doing a production of a documentary that was put on stage uh, called Hands on a Hard Body. Incredible documentary that I'd actually seen years before. Um, I was gutted that it was a musical because I was sick of singing at the time, um, but I did it anyway. Uh, it stayed open very, 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 for a very small amount of time. It was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. Uh, and then ended up, Jengis, I've done a bit. Uh, I then ended up doing workshops with Sting for The Last Ship, which was Sting. an amazing experience. Yeah. The Gordon. Sting. And Jimmy Nail. Jimmy Nail. Crocodile shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. Um, and uh, then I did an out-of-town tryout of a revival of a Sideshow uh, with Billy Condon, who's an amazing uh, director. And... Uh, here a lot um he's a good really good mate of Ian McKellen's and uh then I was meant to do Sting's Broadway transfer uh the last ship and Cameron's people called and said would you like to do a revival and I said how much are you gonna pay me and it ended up being just enough more than Sting so I never really got to do it and I remember meeting up I know I know and I'm shooting myself in the face for it because I remember going to the coffee shop. So now you've kicked yourself the last... in the face and shot yourself in the face. Yeah, there's nothing and left. And it would be the kneecaps as well. There was another. It's it's really um, abusive, this podcast, really. Um, but it's all, you know, self-inflicted. It's fine. Uh, yeah. But I remember being in the line for coffee at a Starbucks across from the theatre that the last ship was opening. And the director, Joe Mantello, was right behind me. And I saw him and I said, Joe, how are you going? Are you all right? And he goes... You know, Sting wrote a song for you. And I said, what? <laughs> he goes, yes, yeah, Sting wrote a song for you to open up act two. I said, no one told me that. <laughs> and he goes, I know. <laughs> and I just went, what? Until now? Until now, it's a bit late for that. <laughs> I would have immediately taken, for my God, because it was an amazing experience. I mean, we all know, the, if you haven't heard of it or seen it, the last ship was just a love letter, you know, to his father and, you know, the whole shipbuilding industry. It was just, you know, amazing. And really Newcastle upon time. It just uh, was lovely. Anyway, so that happened. Lame is happened. And then uh, I got a call to do this little show called Waitress, um, which was also an experience. It was a and really that was hard the, experience. That was the original version. You were in the original mm -hmm. cast, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The women that I worked with on that stage were absolutely incredible. 
Jesse Mueller and I are actually still friends to this day, um, really good friends. And uh, it was during all of that when we would, I was actually going back and forth from the first day of rehearsals for Broadway's Waitress to doing the reading. They were in buildings across from each other. So I would go to that reading on break. I would go over to the other building and then do the greatest showman, whatever they had done. Then I'd leave there and then go across to finish up whatever I had to do at show, uh, Waitress. And uh, ended up booking that. So opening night happened here. And then I was like, right, I have to leave because we were dancing all morning. Yeah. Starting at eight o'clock. I would finish at five, six, try and get the train from Dumbo in Brooklyn, which is south east southeast and go all the way to the other side to go to the theater district to make it in time for curtain at eight o'clock in waitress costume and ready to go to so i did that for a couple of months yeah, yeah. and i said Can I be done here? yeah 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 and the uh, original of waitress yeah, yeah. on broadway but that's the hustle love that's i mean you know that, that's hustle. i mean you've like it's 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 a pretty crazy what Four, what, must have, what was it five year snowball effect that you had there yeah. I mean when yeah like because um was it 20 2012 or 2013 um yeah. uh the, the hard body and that and all the way through and you did uh, with sting sting wrote your song in the middle of that he's so lovely waitress oh yeah great showman as well oscars i mean yeah. That is that that is a unbelievable acceleration of a career. Yeah, you know? and I'm actually really grateful. I know a lot of people wouldn't say that just because of the way the times have been. I I'm probably one of the very few people that are very grateful for the last two years to actually just truly look after myself to be in a place where when I come back, if I come back, which is I've actually done it, so I can't really even say any of these things right now, that I would be in a much better place and really excited to be with the rest of the world as opposed to the way I was before going leave me alone I'm not a stranger to the dark don't touch me I'm not singing this song <laughs> it's it's great. The, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. actually just just for a quick a real quick timeline so when what like you you were in Vegas uh yep. doing like when were you in Vegas what from two no, no, 1998 to 2003. Right. And then you, your, your hairspray edition? 2003 to 2006. I took a break. Yeah. And then uh, started 2009 with uh, South Pacific. And then 2010, I finished South Pacific and ended up already being cast in Priscilla Queen of the Desert it has out of town in 2010 in Toronto 2011 it made its Broadway debut did that from to 2012 2012 Hands on a Hard Body had its out of town in La Jolla in California in near San Diego and then 2013 it came to Broadway very briefly and then in 2013 I did the workshops of the last ship sideshow and actually come from away got about that yeah oh, which yeah. i loved come from I away that musical that isn't it incredible <laughs> i've not seen it about be told i've got You're to joking. see it what's up what what do you want to know 
we've got to end this podcast. You need to go see it. It's oh, no, just, yeah. it's, you can't, it's you amazing. Can't, you can't end what podcast. You can't, no, Watch me. don't go, don't, Goodbye. don't go. <laughs> Goodbye. No, it's, it's, it was really, uh, it was beautiful, beautiful theatre was coming out during that year in all these workshops. And then I went in that same year at the end to go do the Out of Town for Sideshow. 2014 came. Oh, I forgot. I also did Joseph somewhere in 2013. Busy year, 2013. I, think, I did Joseph. Do you know the, I think the thing remember. about it is, is like basically from 2013, through, it's just been stacked. You've had so much. Yeah. And also, Very you, I mean, you're never going to mention, but you I mean you did get Tony Award nominated as well. Um, <laughs> yes, you're right. I would never. Mention you did that. also get Theatre World Award. Yeah, moving on. Outstanding moving on. Broadway debut uh, winner. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, like, like that, like that. We're going to take our moment and let that soak in. That's, that's unbelievable. Did that and then just carry on. Sting writes you a song. Great showman. Here <laughs> just, we go. Winner. He's so lovely. He's so lovely. And I'm so gutted that I was never able to do that because, I, again, all of these stories that I got to be a part of for however long were yeah. just beautiful pieces in and of themselves. And so, yeah, it was it was really, really lovely. And I miss all that. I miss, I miss the stage very much. Well, um, talking about stage, let's... I always do some questions on performer. I always, oh, I always ask these ones, right? Okay, okay. So <laughs> we'll see. I don't even know if you'll even be able to have a good one for this uh, because oh, you just seem to, you just knock out of the park all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, what what's your worst addition? Have you got a really bad addition that's happened at all? What? Oh, we've we've had some. I've talked about this a lot. Um, so years ago, um, years ago when they started doing uh, Broadway productions in casinos in Las Vegas, they had created for the union a thing called the casino contract um, because the hours would be different and the days of performing would be different. And the shows were not full on shows. They were, they were basically cut down to 90 minutes because yeah. Las Vegas. Um, and they were putting on a version of that, uh, of Mamma Mia for that. And I remember going, oh, I'll just go into audition. So you go in an audition and dance. And, and I have since worked with this choreographer for Sideshow. And I remember telling her this story and she goes, I remember every bit of this. <laughs> I was like, that's not a good answer. <laughs> that's, that's I really don't good, want you it? to remember any of this. Um, so I remember, they teach you a combination. So for those of you who've never done this, I'm sure you know, you go into a dance audition, they teach you a combination. And for this particular audition, this choreographer called Janet, Janet, lover. Hi, she Janet. She gave you, Janet, she gave you three counts of eight to freestyle and do whatever you want. And in my brilliant thinking, I thought, right, I'm going to do the typewriter. Do you know what that is? I'm not going to show you. I'm going to tell you. If you find any original MC Hammer video on YouTube, he does that move with the greatest of ease and nonstop. <laughs> so in my three counts of eight in my mind, going, oh, I've got this in the bag, in the bag. Start doing this typewriter. And what happens is your torso is going round and round and round. While I know your feet they, are just yeah. moving like I know the exact you know? move. So I've done it, doing it. 
and I'm realizing my torso is moving faster than my legs. And so as this, <laughs> not even the third count of the first eight, I hit the floor and not cute at all. Like it's a sideways face plant on the actual Marley. And then I turn around on my back going, hurry up, make it up, make it up, make it up. And I start doing this jazzercise combination that I'm making up in my head where I'm kicking my legs up, splitting them open and then doing this like side bend bit. And I'm going, I, I will be kicked out. I will be kicked out in less than two seconds flat. Please, I literally just wanted to leave. Miss Settle, please stop. <laughs> Sure. Exit, please. Find it. Yeah, use the exit. Um, when I finished and thought um, my life should be over, um, I remember going to my car and the assistant was like, where are you going? And I'm like, uh, were you there? Uh, and she said, we are calling you back for one of the roles, lead roles. And I said, what? And I botched that up because I didn't think I would get it. So I didn't even, I wasn't even paying attention. It was the worst audition I've ever had. Yeah, we're calling you back for the MC Hammer who has lost his balance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, and, that's it, the and role. now it's one of the lead roles. That's, we, we can't wait. We, just, we brought it in. And I still is... didn't book it because I was like, what's going on? Why are you calling me in? Because I just made an ass of myself. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good though thanks it's for bringing that up dance editions come up quite often when i ask that question funnily enough movement or dance someone put their foot through a wall uh in a movement edition i know you're joking no oh i'm not that person yeah thank yeah. god um yes. thank god <laughs> um what else have we got oh I've got I've got my questions here. What professional? Well, hurry up, mate. Let's do it. <laughs> Come on. A bad review. Have you got a particularly bad review? No. Don't read them. Ever. Why? As I said, just like receipts. I don't need to see the receipt of bananas. I don't need to hear. I, I know that everything I've done has happened. People mm. will love it. People will hate it. There's nothing I can do at all. There's nothing. So just carry on. I don't read them. I'm sure they're there. Yes, because I'll, I know I'm not everyone's flavour. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't really help my podcast. Uh, well, go on to the next question then, you egg. <laughs> Do you really ask all your people right, Okay, here comes your go next on. question then. Now, this one, you'd like, this, you, you've like you got to know if something's gone tits up for you on stage. Um, we were actually um, doing a production of Waitress where all of the automation just uh, expired in the middle of a movement and it just stopped moving. And all of a sudden, the curtain comes down and we're like, I don't know what's going on here. What's happening? <laughs> all of the designers are there. They're coming out going, what's going on? The floor's coming up. There's torches coming out going, well, you know, what? can we fix this? Can we do that? How quickly? Bless her. It's actually on YouTube. There are clips of it. Um, Sarah, Sarah Borellis was there and came out in the front of the curtain and started entertaining the audience so while we, they were trying to fix it backstage. And I was sat there going, this is, uh, is theatre. This is live theatre. And um, <laughs> we start this. This is theatre. This is it. Um, and so she started singing like, you know, Little Mermaid. And then she started singing songs that got cut uh, from our original uh, out of town tryout for Waitress. And so I started singing along with her. So she took the mic, 
here's you know you here's here's Sarah in front of the cat uh, the curtain here's the curtain and I'm right behind it screaming and she's got the microphone <laughs> trying to find my face so that she can put it behind my house. um that bit was where it went wrong but it was amazing it, it ended up being a really really cool experience because you know Sarah is amazing and is always you know on the positive outlook of it all so thank god for her that's good though that was a very good story then you, you've redemption you. for your bad review side get over yourself get over yourself <laughs> not... bad questions come on all right then fine here we go let's get let's let's get questions from the public yeah, let's all right here we go public. um <clears throat> b rose kerslake would like to know What's the best advice you've ever been given? And which role has meant the most to you? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's a good one because it's not it. from me. That's <laughs> it. What's the first bit of that? Because that's a two, that's a two question. Yeah, two, I know she's really getting... Come on. You should uh, probably yeah, hire so her. What's the, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Okay, first thing, best advice I've ever been given as a uh, as as an auditioner actually is a reminder that when you step into an audition or during these times, you know, make a self tape, whatever you're doing, there has to be an understanding within yourself as the performer that is trying to audition for this role that they want to see your version fully of what you think this character is whatever the character is that you're doing they don't need to see Nicole Kidman's version they don't want to see Brie Larson's version they don't want to see Gal Gadot's version although they're amazing versions obviously but they want to see <laughs> you yeah. yeah 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 you know what I mean and I think it's really hard especially in these times where you know people are people the industry are creating these boxes and these molds and saying right we've set this one up who can we fit in here that can get the most you know get time out of it how much money can we make off of them you have to remember that it's always going to be the story that's important not you know who's uh, it, it is who's telling it because every every person has a side to each story but just remember also to just be kind to yourself when you're doing it because they want to see you they don't mm. want to see anyone else. So however you portray it, that's the best advice. I was told that. What's the second part of that question that you didn't write? <laughs> Thanks for that. Just saying. Uh, we, we're not doing karaoke now. Uh, oh. Which <laughs> I feel like oh. I lost out there, really. You, uh, really, you <laughs> should have never said that. Let's get out of my teeth, love. Go on. Uh, which role has meant the most to you? Which role? Um, it's the role that I did uh, in Hands on a Hard Body because it was a true story. And I had the privilege to portray a real person with real thoughts and real feelings, real emotions. And it, they, the basis of who she was and is uh, she, her name she's called Norma Valverde she was so loving and so simple and things were never hard and she was so stalwart um, in a very humble way and it taught me a lot 
um, not just about myself, but about the human condition. And um, I'll never forget that. And I had an opportunity to meet her on opening night and uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. She was so lovely. And that story will always, um, will always have an imprint on my heart. Sure. Oh, yeah, no, I think if you if you play some real and get to meet them, then that's um, you learn a very lot. good, yeah. very good question, B. Thanks for that. You're just making yeah. me look well rubbish. done. <laughs> well done, B. Well done, B. Okay, and a, a final one from from the audience. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, guys. You've helped out this podcast actually oh, be decent. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, at Rabbi Jim. Uh, how did she get involved in Todrick Hall's visual album brackets forbidden and what drew her to the project well first of all I love Todrick that was one of the first reasons I had been following him and what he had been creating he's an incredible genius of a songwriter and uh, song producer everything that he kicks out is I I don't know how his mind works. It's just so intricate and yet it's so um, telling and so entertaining. Um, So I've been following for a while and I knew a lot of my mates had worked with him prior. And I had just, that was actually the week before I uh, had the brain bleed as well. Um, Yeah, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually just got off a plane from Tokyo, went into his studio to record the song that I didn't even know. So when you hear, I'm not gonna run, I'm gonna run, I'm not gonna I didn't know any of that at all. I was literally riffing, had no idea. So I was hoping that any of it fit in to what his vision of it was. Cause we had a quick meeting beforehand. So I just landed and then went straight to um, where he records. And so um, he's, his work ethic is second to none. Second to none. It is always about the story, always. And he will always be true to it. Um, I haven't seen him in a few years, um, but I know he's doing really well. Um, but he asked me and I said, I'd be honored. I'd be honoured to do it. And we did. It was it was a beautiful night, actually. But a lot done. A lot done that night. And that whole, the concept of that album was, of course, for those of you who know it, is just an eye-opener and is really empowering. Um, but yeah, that's how I got involved. I said, yeah. He contacted me and I said, yeah, and did it. Well, that's a little fourth cool. Very good. Thank you, Ravi. Again, another question that's not yours. <laughs> you should probably hire these people just so you know. They're really good. They're really good, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I had the money, it would be. Yeah, just small overhead. It's fine, you know. Yeah, you know. I'm also more producer than that, so I'm going to edit this thing afterwards. <laughs> oh, dearie. <laughs> oh, God. All right, that's last orders. Here we go. It's quick fire questions, Kiala. Okay, you cannot think about this. So here we go. Do you have a hidden talent? Yes, I bake. You bake? Yeah, mate. What do you want me to say? not hidden, really, is it? People. I do open heart surgery. Well, that still wouldn't be hidden. People would see it. (laughs) Well, then what's a hidden? I mean, what's a hidden talent? 
you'd be surprised what then the Dalits people have. Oh my god! Then I would say no because I honestly don't know. Because you're you a great like baker. You're great. I'm like, no, no, you're a great baker. We'll leave You'll it in. Know. You'll never know. <laughs> I'm certainly not getting a cupcake off yet. So, <laughs> do you have a guilty pleasure? Yes. Um, I love uh, old school Disney animated films. Oh, I mean, I don't even yes. know if that's guilty. I think that I'm definitely with you on that. Well, one. some people would say that, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. love it. And also uh, dark chocolate. Gone. <laughs> Are you done? We need to move yeah, on. Yeah, bloody quick hell, fire. quick fire. Come on, yeah. Like, what is your pet hate? Me. <laughs> <laughs> she hates when I sit down in front of her because she thinks she's going to get her ears cleaned or her eyes with eye drops or she's going to be anything that's medical. When I pet her and I sit in front of her she immediately bolts about four meters away from me I love and then waits for me to just settle and then comes around and goes okay you're not doing anything to me that's fine this is good that's you're the first person ever to like get this question sort of confused like I think it's maybe because of the phrasing of it no my pet (laughs) hates me no like a pet hate is a particular hate of like you know like a thing that really annoys you about in it something in life Oh, I don't have that. So someone like, it could be someone picking their nose or something like that. That's a sort of pet hate or something like, you know what I mean? I mean, that's an ob- ob- obvious one. They call it a pet hate? <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Welcome I love it. You're just straight in going, yeah, but my, my, your actual pet hates you for something. Yeah. Um, do you want to ask that question again or you just want to leave it? I would say I'll leave, leave it. it. This is gold. That's how gold. useless I am. Go on. <laughs> Welcome to America, baby. <laughs> what's, your, what's your bad habit? My bad habit is uh, cleaning underneath my fingernails because I hate dirty fingernails. And I will always catch myself sitting there either with like a toothpick or my own other nail going, dirty, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it. And then I'll run quickly to a sink. Clearly COVID has been a lot for me. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of like a bad good habit though because like there's other people who just have dusty nails. So at least you clean them. I mean, is it a bad habit? I don't know. Yeah, I just no. know I've been doing You're it. You're reversing all these questions, right? Next oh one. my God! You just don't like my answer. I don't. It's really what it is. That's it. <laughs> like, I, we won't, I, I am so glad we've only got a few questions left because I've had enough. Okay, <laughs> I've had enough. Yeah. Right. Uh, what is your go-to karaoke song? I Believe in You and Me, uh, which is a song from The Preacher's Wife. Uh, sung by Whitney Houston. Whitney, Whitney song. She's she taught me how to sing. Her, Shaka Khan, Aretha, Tina, um, and then all of the Disney animated features. All of those things and Julie Andrews. Throw that in. That is a blend of a voice. That that's what's created this unbelievable voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They all taught me how to sing. Well, there we go. Three more. Who's your fave actor, male actor? Roger Allen. Fave actress? Nancy Carroll. Nancy Carroll. And Idol growing up? I didn't have one. I know that sounds weird, uh, but 
because <laughs> I mean a lot of it was all music stuff so it was like you know Whitney all those guys that whole I didn't I don't know if I looked up to them but I idolized their talent and the way they told a story uh, as individuals and so that's probably the closest thing I had to an art because there was no one like me that I could look up to mm. so I didn't have anyone you know yeah really yeah no no I I well I I don't get that I don't get like it but I was gonna say I get it yes yeah. yes me a hundred percent pure Scottish like you know like like well funnily enough there's a few <laughs> what's wrong with you Graham cut that bit out oh dear no I'll leave it <laughs> finally oh. here we go your final question if you weren't a performer what would you be Oh, if I weren't a performer, I would be, I would be a peer counsellor. Do you know what that is? Uh, so it's sort of like um, for all the troubled teens and troubled youth, I would be a licensed uh, social worker for them. That's what I would be. I always wanted that in my own life and so I I think I've always fought to give that back as much as I could in any way that's well, what that's, it would be that's a fantastic answer what Thanks. a lovely way to end that, that's, and that's, that's your yeah. question so well done you that was my question alright that was not from the gallery okay <laughs> um, yes so there we go that does bring us to the end of this episode of a performer paint pod I can't even hear you. Thank God. What do you mean, thank God? I'm joking. I'm joking. I've had it. I've had it with you, right? <laughs> it goes, but not totally. We're still karaoke, right? I don't oh, know. Yeah. With oh, Elton John, Kiki D. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. You just said you didn't want to, but I'll, you know, I'll just ride the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of changed my tune quite quickly. And right. Okay. okay. I'm mm-hmm. back. Can't wait. <laughs> Well, Kiela Settle, thank you very much anyway for coming on to a performer, a paint and a pod. I hope you've had a wonderful time. I have. Thank you. And you are an incredible host, darling. Well, thank you. You thank are. You. Contrary to popular opinion, you're an incredible host. <laughs> I'll leave that bit in as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what a truly unbelievable podcast. An amazing lady uh, that Kiala Settle is, starting off uh, in Vegas, working away and doing Amdram, and then next thing you know, she's on Broadway, she's doing Les Mis, she's doing Waitress, Sting is writing her a song, and then Hugh Jackman comes through the door. (laughs) She's a global superstar, and the difficulties that that brought as well um just a fantastic podcast uh and a brilliant fun and lovely lovely lady watch out for the amazing performer that is kiala settle coming up uh, in quite a few different things but murder in provence 
uh, is something that she has just finished filming. I'll be meeting fantastic performers in the pub over the next few weeks and months with career-defining moments and secrets from behind the scenes. So make sure and don't miss out by subscribing to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod and follow at Performer Pint on socials. I've been your host, Graham Rooney. Thank you for listening. Please do rate and review. I'd love to hear your thoughts, unless of course you don't like me, then please do keep them to yourself. And remember, no one likes a stingy mate at the pub. So... Share the pod with friends and family. See you next week.